watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Beheim! Wow, does that silence it a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Fit. Pop pass up in the middle. Tucker's got it. Ruby run. 15-10. Hit and in. Gregory touchdown. The Bills make me wanna shout. Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It go to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes a catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On The Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7, ESPN Radio, heard 96.5 FM, heard wherever you are, whatever you are doing on the ESPN app, seen, heard, and everything in between, ladies and gentlemen. Boys and girls, children of all ages on the magic. QSportsTalk.com. By golly, the marvel of modern inventions where you can watch a radio program as it happens. Ah, yes. Yes, you can. Radio used to be theater of the mind. That's old school, kids. Radio 2.0, you watch it. That's right. QSportsTalk.com, the place to do that. There's a chat that you can hop in and be a part of and keep the conversation flowing throughout the program. And uh, once um, our radio friends go to commercial breaks a few times a show, you do not at QSportsTalk.com. Oh, no. No, you do not. Because you're just stubborn like that. Now, we uh, keep the microphone on. We keep the camera on. We keep talking to you. Exclusive uh, comments, conversations, questions, and more during breaks. It's all happening, friends, at QSportsTalk.com. Happy Monday, everybody. A lot to get into. Big game at the JMA Wireless Dome tonight. There's actually a lot of football news abuzz out there today that we will discuss. Uh, The Orange heading back to Yankee Stadium, and not for a bowl game. If you haven't heard, we'll tell you why, and a couple other uh, SU football-related notes that we'll get into. Speaking of football, uh, Super Bowl 57 is set You got the Eagles, you got the Chiefs, just as, uh, well, I predicted half of it, right? The Eagles were my preseason pick, so I got that going for me, which is nice. Uh, The other half of that uh, did not get, uh, so a one out of two ain't bad. We'll take that. Very impressive performance, though, by the Kansas City Chiefs under those circumstances. As a Buffalo Bills fan, I just kind of look at Cincinnati, I'm like, really, guys? I mean, you're, you're, you're facing like the, the bruised, battered, you know, it's like the Black Knight from the Monty Python movies version of the Kansas City Chiefs, and you can't win that. Uh, certainly officiating a hot discussion once again after that one, and now we get two weeks of the Kelsey brothers and Andy Reid used to coach the Eagles and all that other fun stuff until they actually play the football game on February the 12th. So we have entered Super Bowl hype weeks and so much more. The blind side awaits us later in the program. We'll 
look back on Syracuse's game against Virginia Tech, but certainly uh, look ahead to tonight. Uh, Syracuse got a big basketball commitment over the weekend and what that means, as we will discuss on the program. But we start with, if this is it, please let me know. This is it. I'll let you know. Frame it a must win. Frame it whatever you want to call it. If Syracuse is going to keep its prayers alive to be a team that's going to play in any postseason, let alone the NCAA tournament, I'm talking about any postseason, Virginia's a game they got to have tonight. It's not to say they could lose this and end up in the NIT, lose this and end up in some sort of postseason, but you're running out of opportunities here to put significant wins on your resume. You're running out of opportunities here to prove you belong with teams at the top of this league. You're just running out of opportunities to prove that you're frankly a good team this year. Because what Syracuse has failed to do, with the exception of one game this season, is punch up. Beat a better team in the sense of better teams by classification of everybody else. You can spin other wins all you want. Nobody doubts how hard this team plays. Nobody doubts certain aspects of this team. But the hard truth on paper does not add up. You got a lot of attaboys in that department. What you do not have is a firm quality win to point to other than the first Virginia Tech matchup. And then you go and play Virginia Tech a second time on Saturday that has Hunter Couture, and you get shredded. You play one of your worst games of the season. Now, everybody has step backs. Everybody has bad games. There's still a month to go in the regular season here. But Syracuse is still at the point where you can't call them a good team. You can't call them a team that is going. I was even looking at NIT brackets today because I have that kind of time. They're not even there. The opportunities are running out for this season to be defined other than a disappointment. Last year, there's no question what it was. It just turned into a losing season and something we had not seen ever under Jim Beheim. So you give them the mulligan. You give them the anomaly. You say, okay, that's not something that happens often around here. Now with a month to go, I'm not sure where this team's going to pivot to. I've seen improvement. You've seen improvement. I've seen a team that's better in a lot of ways. But the common thread is when they have to punch up, they lose. The exception of one game, and that was Virginia Tech. And that same team turned around the second time and gotcha. You've got a national television audience tonight. It's Big Monday. It's a focus game. Virginia has won six in a row. They're now number six. In the country, it's a team. I understand what happened in the Sweet 16 seven years ago, but in recent times, they own you. Tony Bennett owns you. Virginia owns the series, and it's a team that, when they get together, will beat Syracuse. There's a lot of aspects of the first game that cannot repeat themselves tonight. Now, every game's different, okay? But it wasn't too long ago you played this team. Right, It was earlier this month, Virginia Tech, what we saw was a missing ingredient that Syracuse took advantage of, which you have to do, right? It's not your fault that Hunter Couture is not out there, so you got to lean on Virginia Tech and take advantage of that, and that is what they did at the Dome earlier this month. 
But we even said Friday going into this weekend, like there's the it's very unlikely that Virginia Tech was going to go three of nineteen from three point range again. That some of those patterns were going to repeat themselves. And that's exactly what happened. You add Hunter Couture back to the mix. Virginia Tech shot a lot better from beyond the arc. Couture uh, being the the catalyst of that. They moved the ball very well, which I'll remind you Virginia did as well. Virginia assisted on 22 of 23 field goals in the first game. And Jim Beheim comes to the podium afterwards, and he's not – Completely wrong to say this, but he's just like, ah, people get a lot of assists against the zone. Like, he basically brushed off any question of it. Well, I saw Virginia Tech get 26 assists on, what was it, I believe, 32 field goals on Saturday. Brush that off and tell me that's not because how Virginia Tech moved the ball, stayed ahead of your defense, got wide open shots. How many times did Virginia Tech get a shot in either one of the corners and that shooter was so alone that I heard Tom Hanks screaming for Wilson the volleyball. That's how alone that shooter was. So while assists may be overrated versus the zone generally, I think credit has to be given to Virginia Tech and how they moved the ball Saturday and how Virginia moved the ball the first time around. Virginia came out. Now, percentage-wise, they're the best three-point shooting team in the league. They don't necessarily have the snipers you would think of, like a Couture on Virginia Tech or some of the players that pop to mind. They're so efficient, though. They move the ball so well, again, credit to that, that they get good shots. They were up 20-9 to in that game, and three, three, three out of four three-pointers had fallen, I believe, by the first uh, media timeout. And you're immediately in that situation that Syracuse has found itself in way too many times where they're crawling out of a hole. Now, eventually, Virginia goes up by 23, and they spent the last 11 minutes of that game piling up bricks, missing a lot of shots. They only had three field goals in the last 11 minutes of that game, and I think Syracuse and their pressure defense has something to do with that. But that's not something you can count on tonight. You're going to play pressure defense, I would imagine, at some point because it just inevitably, when you play Virginia, you get into it. And Syracuse has brought out the press out of necessity a lot this year. And it's been, for the most part, successful. To their credit, when Syracuse has to press, they're pretty good at it. But the zone, just Saturday, it looked antiquated. It looked outdated. It didn't look like a weapon at all. I mean, I appreciate the Virginia Tech coach I think, what was his quote after the game, that the zone keeps you up at night? I think he's just being nice. Because the way you executed against it, it was anything but effective. And the zone will have those nights where teams are getting open looks and they're making open looks. First Virginia Tech game wasn't the case. Second Virginia Tech game, it was clearly the case. Syracuse was never in that game. Never. Just a start-to-finish beatdown by Virginia Tech. So you come back two days later, and you have to challenge yourself, and you have to turn around, and you've got to do a lot of things, not only in this game that you'd not do Saturday, but you didn't do the first time around against Virginia. So the obvious thing is you have to defend better. You have to move better in the zone. You have to challenge shooters. I mean, that that's just obvious. Jesse Edwards had four points in the first game. 
That obviously can't be the case this time. Jesse has got to figure out ways to score, to know that Virginia is going to come at waves at him, either find the open guy or, look, I'll say this, Jesse missed a lot of bunnies in that first game. Missed a lot of easy shots. Jesse didn't have his best game Saturday either, so it shows that as good as he is, you can get to him. Right, as Jim Beheim noted after the game, when you don't have your two best players, your senior players scoring, it all kind of falls apart from that. You know, we didn't have any when Joe doesn't play and Jesse isn't. Jesse's just not playing strong enough. He's getting bombed, pushed around. He's just not accomplishing anything. Judah gets left in a position to have to try to make plays, and uh, I thought he did a great job. He made some plays, um, got to the got to the foul line, hit a couple threes. Um, yeah, I think I thought he did everything he could do, really. Him and, and Justin and Malik steady. He's he's going to do you know what he did. You know, you know he gets eleven points, five for six, six rebounds, couple of steal. You know, he's steady. But you know, we need Jesse and Joe to score. But it's Jim Beheim on Saturday and Joe Girard didn't uh, get going in that game either, which has been rare as of late, so I'll, I'll give you a mulligan on that, but I can't give you a mulligan on that two games in a row because if you're going to stay in this game against Virginia, here's another thing that did not happen the first time around. Joe, Judah, Jesse did not have a great first half. They combined to shoot 5 of 19. Now, Judah and Joe contributed in the second half of that game. Kind of recovered from but just some of these patterns that we've seen just can't carry over. They have to play one of their best games of the year offensively tonight because I haven't seen what they can do defensively. You're not going to slow down this team because I've seen it, and you've seen it. I'll be the first to come on the show tomorrow and say I was wrong about that if they somehow show up defensively tonight. But how can I count on that based on what we've seen consistently all year in the zone based on what I saw Saturday and what I saw in the first game against Virginia, give me the basis for that. So prove me wrong there and prove any skeptics and doubters wrong on that. Yeah, Jim Beheim changed up his starting lineup on Saturday, which is something that is rare, short of injury. But justify putting Benny Williams in that starting lineup right now. You can't. He's just been too inconsistent. And we don't see practice, but according to Jim, Practice hasn't been going well either, and that's not encouraging when you've got a player in that situation here as we're about to flip the calendar over to February. Here's Jim on that Saturday. Yeah, he's been playing better. Um, I just think he gives us a a strength on the boards. He can score inside, um, gives us more of a physical presence in there. Benny hasn't played well. He hasn't really practiced very well. Yet. By the way, I I applaud Jim for making that move. I mean, I'm the first to tell you the starting lineup's overrated, but it's overrated till it's not. When you have a player that should be in there, not only playing starters minutes, but be an established starter. And Malik Brown has a lot to work on in his game, but he's clearly the better option at this point. So there's a lot of things happening here with this team in a must-win situation that only has four quad one games left on its slate as the net rankings stand now and has no conceivable future as we speak in the postseason. 
So what kind of final month of the season are we going to be looking at? Tonight is going to set the tone for that. Do you send a message? Do you rock people around, beat Virginia tonight, surprise some people, and go into, look, you've got two games coming after this with uh, Boston College and Florida State that you need to win, but do nothing for your resume, do nothing for you other than put wins on the board, which are important, I get, but... If all that matters is the tournament, and I believe I've heard a coach say that a time or two, they do nothing for your tournament resume. And again, when I say tournament, we might be talking about NIT here, folks. I'm just talking about any postseason conceivably at this point, which as we speak, and this can change, I'm not packing it in on this. It's not over till it's over. If I've learned anything in my time in this business, it is to leave a window open. It is to just consider what in your mind immediately you say can't happen because well that's sports but I'm not going to mislead you either the math does not add up in any way right now you win this game tonight all of a sudden some conversations start to change they don't completely change but they start to because every other game to this point that would qualify as Forget net rankings and quad one wins. Just quality wins. Just wins that pop on a schedule. Every one of them, with the exception of one, you have not punched up. So you've got to put some weight behind this. You have got to put some meat on the bones here. And there's no better team to do it against than this one tonight. Based on recent history, based on the fact they're a top six team, based on the circumstance in which you're playing them, all things considered. So, look, we'll talk about it throughout the afternoon. I'm going to stick around, do a pregame for you at 6 o'clock, and we'll talk ourselves into one way or the other, then they'll tip it up, and we'll see what happens when they play the game tonight. But I feel like tomorrow is not only a conversation about what happened tonight, it's a conversation for how the rest of the season is going to go. Make no mistake about it. Tonight is a big-time fork in the road for this team because they've got to prove all these things we think we've seen can come together in an important game and give something that you can rubber stamp on the schedule because right now they don't have it. They just don't have it. Saturday was a prime opportunity to get it, and they got boat raced. How do you respond to that? Can you respond to that? And it just so happens you have to respond to that with one of the best teams in the country coming in tonight. So let's see what you got. It's as simple as that in my mind. Let's see what you got. And on that note, we break. We will continue this conversation, but uh, look back a little bit more on Saturday before we take a step forward to tonight's matchup. As noted, I'll stick around afterwards. We'll change the sign on the door. We'll do a little pregame. At 6 o'clock, you're welcome to join the party throughout at 437-7644 on Twitter, Brent Axe Media, and in the chat at QSportsTalk.com. We noted some football things to get into, not only Super Bowl-wise, but Syracuse football-wise as well. The blind side awaits and more as we go through the afternoon. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back, friends. Great to have you here. On the Block, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. 
got game night coverage for you right here. Six o'clock. Yours truly. We'll just change the sign on the door and uh, do Syracuse basketball pregame presented by Burdick Ford and Burdick Toyota. Bring you right to tip time between the Orange and the Cavaliers. And then uh, after the game, Brian Higgins, Eric Devendorf, breaking it down, taking your phone calls, your comments in the QSportsTalk.com chat, Jim Beheim's press conference, the whole deal right here and on QSportsTalk.com after the Orange and Virginia in the must-win big game, big time, whatever you want to call it. It's, uh, it's kind of a big one for Syracuse if they want to stay, and I'm going to frame this in this sense in the postseason conversation. That means all the postseasons, kids, not just the four-letter one. I'm talking about the three-letter one, too. Okay, let's go rapid fire here because there's actually a lot of football in the news. Uh, it's kind of a bummer. I mean, we'll see it and we'll talk about it tomorrow, but I'm kind of a geek and I like these schedule release shows. Like when they do the NFL one, like I actually enjoy it. Schedule matters. Tonight we get the Syracuse football schedule at 7 o'clock on the ACC network. There happens to be a basketball game going on at the same time, so I guess we'll kind of see it on Twitter and get into it more Later, and what we know about the schedule is uh, the following. We know that Syracuse opens with Colgate on September 2nd. We know that uh, Syracuse will host Western Michigan on September 9th. We know they go to Purdue on September 16th and will host Army on the 23rd. The other ACC home games are Boston College, Clemson, Wake Forest, and Pittsburgh. Wait, what's that? Why'd I get that? They're playing Pitt. Where? Oh, we're doing this back to New York City thing here. So if you haven't heard, um, Syracuse and Pittsburgh on November 11th has been moved to Yankee Stadium to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the first college football game ever played at Yankee Stadium in 1923, which was Syracuse and Pittsburgh. Here's John Wildhack earlier today on Orange Nation as to why. I think the historical significance of it, that's what really drove it to me. Because, I, again, I didn't think we were the first game, football, college football game in Yankee Stadium. The fact that we were in 100th anniversary, that's, that literally comes around that opportunity once in a lifetime. So, all right, let's go seize it. I think it's great for the university. There's a lot of things we can do around the game in terms of programming. It's great for our tri-state alumni, obviously. I think the spotlight, there'll be a national spotlight on that game, given the historical nature of it. It's played at Yankee Stadium, so I think it builds equity in our football brand and obviously an area that... Heard a lot of Daryl Gross there in John Wildhack. See, back in the day, Syracuse used to move these games to MetLife Stadium for all the same uh, bull crap that I heard there. Exposure, New York City, tri-state area, alums, recruiting. It, it, it's all nonsense. That New York's college thing, I mean, it was a nice little brand. You know, when Derek Jeter ran out on the field for the first time, there was a Syracuse banner in Yankee Stadium. See, that's what you can do for these things. Why you would intentionally move a home game and see Wild Hack's whole thing goes, well, we still have six home games. Yeah, but you had seven. And you're a program that needs every strategic advantage you can get to win six games. Did we not see that last year? You barely got over the finish line. And a lot of games won at home in the first part of the schedule. Syracuse won six games to start the year. Five of those six were where? At home. So why you would move a game 
against a team that has owned you in recent years and put yourself at a strategic disadvantage. And I understand there'll be a lot of Syracuse fans in Yankee Stadium. I got news for you. Pittsburgh ain't that far away either. To commemorate the 100th anniversary of the first college game at Yankee Stadium, I mean, honestly, who cares? It's that big of a deal that you're going to move a game there? If I'm Dino Babers, I mean, he's probably, he's playing ball on this, and I, I I believe John said that during his interview with Stephen Pauley. But that's also like one of those above-my-pay-grade kind of things. By the way, the recruiting angle, you know what's better for recruiting? Like, win as many games as you can. If you can prove to me that putting that game in New York City, put that game in front of some recruit from the New York City area that otherwise wouldn't have Syracuse on their radar screen and it leads directly to a commitment, great. Other than that, I don't understand this. They don't need to do it because, see, I brought up the Daryl Gross thing. They had to do that, and then what happened? They joined the ACC. So we have an expression, actually, in the radio business. It's called non-traditional revenue. A lot of businesses have this, but, you know, per radio. So here at Galaxy Media, we have some events we do, Taste of Syracuse, Lights on the Lake, things of that nature. That is, that's non-traditional revenue as we like to call it, in the biz, right? It's not traditional radio revenue in that we attract uh, revenue by advertising and some of the traditional means, right? Syracuse used to do that with these football games in MetLife Stadium for non-traditional revenue. But see, then they join the ACC, and you don't have to do that stuff anymore. So sorry to be the fly in the ointment here, but I don't think you should do this. I think there's other ways you can commemorate the 100th anniversary of that game I hope you're getting a pretty penny from this because seven home games is a a pretty good advantage for a program that's fighting for six wins every year. By the way, you just played in Yankee Stadium, so this whole thing, I I bet you the players will like it, but a lot of those guys just played there. We've kind of been there and done that with Yankee Stadium. So don't put me in the camp as somebody that puts a check mark next to this one. A uh, couple other things on football. We know the spring game is April 21st. That came out today. That's a Friday night, Friday Night Lights at the Dome, which will be on ACC Network Extra, so uh, mark that on your calendars. I mentioned the schedule comes out tonight, and schedule matters. We know who's on the schedule. It's the first year where you don't have the divisions anymore in the ACC. They just took a home game away. All right, well, and we know that's in November, okay? How's the rest of the schedule play out here? The schedule matters for Syracuse. They started 6-0 and this year because five of those six were at home. That was the primary reason why. Comes out tonight, 7 o'clock, ACC Network, first uh, at the same time as the Syracuse-Virginia game. So I can multitask, but, uh, you know, I, I got a lot of stuff to do during the basketball game, so I'll just have to, you know, circle back on that later. We'll talk about it tomorrow, certainly. But just so you know, schedule comes out today, and, again, I, I kind of have to be the – the baby Ruth bar in the pool here, but you guys know that signing day is coming up Wednesday. Signing day 2.0. I understand it's not as big of a deal as early signing day, but there is no buzz whatsoever. I would love to be wrong about this. We'll see what happens over the next couple of days. But Syracuse is going into a signing day Wednesday with absolutely no juice. There's, t- there's no talk of any big recruits, any big swings. The portal, remember, is closed right now. 
did they just kind of give up on this? Because last I checked, if you're Syracuse, I don't think you should just be blowing off signing days. Now, again, the game's changed. I want to be fair here. Everything was put into the December signing day. Great. Well, that signing day wasn't exactly blockbuster either. And you lost your biggest recruit in Lenora Sellers. So we got a couple of days here, and I understand there's been a lot of transition on the coaching staff, to be fair. But there is no buzz as we speak today going into signing day on Wednesday, which is not quite the big deal it used to be, but it's still a signing day. So what is going to come out of that on Wednesday? I'm willing to observe and see if I'm proven wrong here, but as we stand today, no juice, no buzz, nothing going into that one. So I don't know. There's a lot of football things in the air that people can, you know, maybe down the way, Prove me wrong on, but put me in the camp of why would you take away a home game? Not only from a strategic advantage, but why am I uh, kind of giving it to my season ticket holders again? And I know they'll offer you discounted tickets and they'll, they'll make up for it, right? It's not just like too bad we're taking the game away. Syracuse will, will make up for it in a way, but ultimately you're trying to win games here and you're trying to win as many games as you can here and you're sacrificing that for an anniversary of the first collegiate game played at Yankee Stadium, great. Why do you got to play a game there to commemorate that? I don't think Syracuse is in a position to be taking home games away in 2023. 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, maybe, but now you're in a big boy league and you're doing some big boy things, and I don't think the exposure and all the marketing reasons behind that is worth taking away a home game. That's just my opinion. You may disagree, but when you know what recruits really well when you win games. That's what recruits well. Because playing a Yankee Stadium, that's a once-in-a-while kind of thing. Well, it puts us in front of recruits we normally wouldn't play against. I get that when you play Tennessee in Atlanta in 2025. Yankee Stadium, those recruits just saw you there three weeks ago. In the pin, it's like a month ago now. In the pinstripe bowl, so well, who who's going to see you there in November? That's like, oh, Syracuse. Uh, where'd they come from? Like, I'm sorry, I'm not buying it. I'm just not. And on that note, we'll break. The blind side awaits. Pre-game show coming your way at six o'clock. Big one tonight at the dome between Syracuse and Virginia. Oh, baby, we got a lot more to do. Stay right there.